Okay, welcome everyone to another episode of the Fierce Telecom Podcast. And uh, once again, it's me, Alejandro Pinero, your host. And I'm really excited about today. We're going to talk about a topic that uh, is really important. It transcends technology. It transcends uh, just about anything that we uh, usually talk about here. And that's because it has a huge impact on communities, on society and individuals. And we're going to really uh, talk about the digital divide and how we as a telecommunications industry can uh, play a pivotal role in making sure that connectivity and all of the services that that enables reaches everyone that it needs to reach. And I'm joined today by Melissa Newman. She's the VP of Government Affairs at the TIA. Those uh, those listeners that follow our events will remember we spoke uh, last December when you joined us at the Virtual Digital Divide Summit, and you spoke actually with Russell Hanser from NTIA that day. And from what I understand, a lot has happened since, uh, as uh, is great to hear. And I, I'm very excited to to hear your thoughts on how we've progressed. But before we really get into all that detail, do you, do you mind telling us a, a little bit about your role and uh, specifically as well you know, the TIA and, and what you guys do? Oh, my pleasure. Um, so TIA is the Telecommunications Industry Association, and we are the trusted association for the connected world. We represent over 400 manufacturers and vendors of trusted information communications technology equipment. Um, and it's a, it's a global organization, um, and we, you know, our members serve and empower communication networks worldwide. Um, in addition to representing our members on a full range of policy issues affecting the ICT industry, uh, TIA is also an ANSI accredited standards development organization. And for many, many years, decades, uh, we have led the development of thousands of telecommunication standards aimed at building trusted, reliable ICT networks around the world. Um, so uh, we are both a standards development organization and an advocacy policy uh, group as well. And we're happy to be here today to talk about this very important topic. Great. And uh, I know we'll talk about trust in a little while. And I'm, I'm very interested in, in hearing your thoughts on that as we, uh, as we build future networks. But let's start you know, where where a lot of the conversation is at the moment, which is really around funding. Um, always an important topic when looking at mobile networks are certainly not cheap. Um, but there's uh, there's been quite a large pot of money made available for connectivity globally, right? Whether that's the Infrastructure uh, Act, or I'm sure there's others that you can tell us about. Where are we in terms of funding? What opportunities are there uh, are out there at the moment? So there's always this saying that, you know, a once-in-a-generation opportunity. I'm going to say this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity uh, for broadband deployment in unserved and underserved areas. Um, and, you know, the good news is uh, the administration, NTIA in particular, but also other agencies that have funding for broadband, including the Department of Agriculture, Department of Transportation, um, are working on the rules um, for this funding. Um, it's going to be a unique partnership between the states and the federal government. And the first step out of the box, which uh, the rules uh, will be done uh, mid-May, is to establish the rules, guidelines, uh, parameters 
for this unprecedented amount of funding, um, largely which is at NTIA. Maybe can you talk a little bit about what pools of money we're talking about in terms of broadband um, and, and how you see that being distributed in, in terms of funding? Well, there's, you know, there, the statute has a, you know, sort of hierarchy of funding, and it starts with unserved areas, goes to underserved areas after that. There's definitions in the statute that, you know, define what an unserved area is, what an underserved area is. Then it can go to communities and anchor institutions. So it's it's pretty specific about what is important um, that needs to be funded, you know, first, second, and third. Um, affordability is a part of it. There's there's just every aspect of what has led to the digital divide is discussed and addressed in this bill, and and that makes it unique. Um, it's big, um, and it's got the potential to really revolutionize and um, move, you know, really close the digital divide in America. And, you know, for the last year and a half or so, we've been talking about ensuring that 100% of Americans get broadband. No one is left behind. And I think with the pandemic, and everything, how communications kept this country going during that time, it really underscored how important it is that everyone have access, affordable access to broadband. Absolutely. When you think, uh, well, I don't know if we can say if we think back to the pandemic or we think slightly back to, to uh, when that was really, you know, keeping people at home um, all of the time, you, uh, broadband and connectivity really came to the forefront in terms of how people stayed in school. They, they remained connected with work, um, with each other. So obviously that's, um, uh, that's of, of great importance. So I, I don't know. Uh, you know, this this question might make you laugh a little bit because obviously when you talk about 100% of households and communities and people having access, um, inevitably it's going to be an incredibly complicated uh, uh, endeavor. But what are the, you know, let's say macro challenges that you can see as we as we try to, you know, tackle that, that hugely ambitious target? You know, I sort of, I like to kind of, you know, put things in different top line buckets. So I'll talk about a few of those. The first is the money must be spent wisely, effectively, and efficiently um, with the goal of, you know, the primary objective of connecting everyone to broadband. Secondly, the application process must be workable. Um, you have a lot of rural areas that are served by smaller rural operators. And that's what we want. And we need an application process that can be figured out and implemented in a reasonable manner. Um, you know, the last thing we want is the process to be so complicated that, you know, the companies that are best able to serve these areas, especially the rural areas, um, would have to hire consultants and spend a lot of money figuring out the application process. We don't want that. So we do want an application process that makes sense and that can be implemented reasonably well. Um, 
The third thing is that we have a very big country with very different topographies and ge geographies. All technologies are needed to solve the digital divide. That certainly includes fiber, wireless, and satellite. And it's really important, in my view, that the rules are set up so that the right technology serves the right area. And there are ways to adopt rules where you could leave out a technology. We don't want that to happen. We need everything we've got. We need it to bring it all to the table to serve this vast country that has very different, as I said in the beginning, geographies and topographies. So all technologies need to be brought to the table and part of the solution. Um, you know, the other thing that we think is equally important is that government should ensure that only trusted providers and trusted solutions qualify for funding. Um, we all read about companies um, who aren't trusted. And we have a, um, an entity list that, you know, we've put together. Um, and we just need to make sure that where the money goes are to operators, vendors, suppliers, that are known trusted entities. Um, and finally, um, you know, we very much support um, Buy America provisions, but we have to recognize the current state of our uh, supply chain for ICT networks. Uh, some of the components, chips, they're made overseas. Um, we can't bring the supply chain back necessarily in the time frame needed to get these broadband networks out there. So we are hoping that we can get a limited waiver from the respective agencies to be able to get the components here, always remembering that when we put the network into the ground, it goes into America using American labor to install the network. So we are providing good jobs for Americans um, and, you know, are, are very proud of that. But we do need some sort of interim waiver for some of the components that are made overseas. Yeah, I think you, you've brought up some really important points, you know, from the supply chain trust um, and, and the, the technology that has to go into solving this problem. If we just focus on that last point first, um, you know, what what technology, so you mentioned you need to use the whole umbrella of technology, whether it's uh, fiber, broadband, wireless, etc., um, depending on the different scenarios. I think as a as an industry, we're almost used to uh, uh, pitching one against the other, right? Um, it's kind of in our in our in our nature, our DNA. Um, you know, how have you seen this when it comes to the digital divide? Do you see a readiness, whether it's from a um, you know a policy level, but also an industry level, in being able to leverage these technologies to address the digital divide, or is there still a challenge there to to implement all of them? I think there still may be a challenge there. Uh, you know, the, the big concern that we all have is that the network is future-proof. That whatever network we put today into the ground, into the air, um, you know, can be scalable and continue to grow as speeds grow, needs grow, and everything. We all agree with that. 
I, I'm sure there are some folks um, that believe, you know, fiber may be the only future-proof technology. I, I don't believe that. I, I believe fiber is a wonderful technology, and there are many places we should be putting fiber in. But there may also be, there are also places where fiber may not be the best solution. Fixed wireless might be the best solution. Or satellite may be the best solution. And what you want to do is have flexible, in my view, flexible rules that allow the consideration of the best technology for the place that you are serving it. Knowing that whatever technology you put in needs to be able to scale up over time. And so that you have a continually, you know, improving um, speeds. And I think you can get that with any one of our technologies and that you can't think of any technology from 10 or 15 years ago. There's been a lot of, um, of technologies that um, have made great strides to be where we need to be in the 21st century and can move beyond. So all technologies brought to the table. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think uh, speaking to you in the past and, and the team, you, you have mentioned to me how this solving the digital divide or at least bridging uh, bridging that divide as best we can will we'll take a village. And I think really it's about um, bringing all those technologies into play and, and uh, seeing what's best in each each scenario. So it's encouraging to see that this discussion is, you know, about the neutrality and in, in technologies being brought up in, uh, in regulatory uh, circles, but also in, in technology. Um, I guess the, the other point that you made, which is hugely topical, of, of course, is, is trust and, and that future-proof network, right? There's only so much future-proofing you can do in terms of the standards, right? I mean, there's there's only so much we'll know um, about 6G and, and whatever other Gs we, we can come up with. We can certainly um, prepare and, and build standards that, that uh, leverage existing uh, hardware and, and networks. But when it comes to trust, you know, what we've seen lately with geopolitical issues, something things are perhaps more unpredictable or out of our control. Can you perhaps talk about what tools there are currently out there for for that, uh, I don't know if retrograding or, or replacement of networks um, is available and, and what role trust will play as we think of these networks um, in the future? I think the geopolitical situation is such that we absolutely have to pay attention to trust. Um, and there are many tools out there. Um, first, we are very supportive of the rip and replace um, uh, proceeding and funding for um, taking out unsecured and untrusted networks and replacing them with secured and trusted networks. And uh, there may be a shortfall in that funding and probably a topic for another discussion, but we are supportive of fully funding that program. That is certainly one important program for making sure that you know, networks are, 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 are secure and trusted. Um, we do think that um, as, we, um, as funding is um, distributed from these programs, they should look at you know, who is getting the funding, who is supplying it, and make sure that it, it is trusted um, networks and, and vendors and suppliers. And uh, good news is all of TIA's manufacturers and suppliers are trusted. So we have 
a wealth of trusted network uh, suppliers and vendors. Um, the third thing is, and I will talk about something TIA um, has done, is industry-led standards in supply chain security. Um, TIA itself has uh, just released the first ever supply chain security um, standard, SCS 9001, for the ICT industry. It is a very comprehensive, measurable, verifiable, and independently certifiable standard that we think will go a long way to reducing and eliminating uh, some of these uh, breaches we're hearing about um, and seeing and ensuring that you're using a trusted network. Absolutely. So it comes down to those standards. It comes down to to knowing who the manufacturer is and, and making sure you, you think ahead. Um, so Melissa, let me ask you a final thought here as we think specifically about the digital divide. The TIA is in a great position where you work with the entire ecosystem. You're uh, in constant contact with the industry. You can guide, you can provide these tools, which you've talked about today in terms of security and standards and a plethora more uh, benefits you provide. So from your perspective, how optimistic are you that if we speak in five years or maybe 10 years, whatever the, the time frame is that you think is realistic, we can talk about, I don't know, 100% access, but at least the digital divide being uh, down significantly or, or people really having significant access across North America. How optimistic do you feel today? <laughs> I have never been more optimistic because I have never seen before this country put the time, the resources, it is an unprecedented amount of money. And there is this commonality that industry and government are talking about to get to 100% availability and connectivity. Um, I certainly think the pandemic had something to do with it. And if there's any silver lining from what has been a very rough two years for everybody. It is the importance of communications. And so um, it sort of put your money where your mouth is. And the government, Congress, the agencies, and certainly the industry, we're putting our money where our mouth is. And so um, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I am incredibly excited and optimistic um, because I know we're going to all do really good things together, both the government and the industry. Great. Uh, well, this is uh, wonderful. What we'll do, Melissa, is we'll put a placeholder in your, your calendar for uh, five years from now. We'll catch up and we'll, we'll, we'll remind you of this optimism and hopefully it'll be a realization then uh, that we did it. It sounds like all the right tools and as you say, all the uh, the money is being put where where it needs to be. So it, it sounds like a great time to be in telecoms and, and to make a difference, uh, which is very promising. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Well, Melissa Newman, VP of Government Affairs at the TIA, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking to you today. And I really hope that this conversation has been a trigger for those of you listening to see how you can also help in bridging, in bridging that digital divide. See how you can help your communities, your clients, your, in, your industries that you're involved with, and even those around you. And uh, if nothing else, reach out to the TIA, who obviously have a lot to say and a lot of help available to you guys. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you.
Wonderful. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with more here at the Fierce Telecom podcast. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And once again, stay safe and take care.